Kings chapter 17. Concerning this football game coming up, memory is a horrible thing. I remember being an athlete. I, I remember just waxing people. I'm not, I wasn't good at a bunch of sports, but football. And I can, I can still, th man, I can still throw, I'm telling you. My little girls wanted the big stuffed animal at the fair. I said, let daddy find the right thing. Football through the tire. There you go. And so they had it all tilted up, you know. And I said, why is that tilted up? Oh, that's to make it easier. I said, well, would you just lower it back even and make it harder for me? So he lowered it back there. And I, he said, so-and-so wins a certain prize. I said, well, I need two prizes. How many do I need to make? He said, well, if you make four. Daddy made four. Babies got their things. And so what I'm telling you is there's still gifts here. I couldn't brush my teeth the next day, but there are gifts here. See, that's the problem. After that game last year, I was laying on my stomach and I woke up to my foot. I was face down on the bed, my foot hanging over my head like that in a cramp. And so Kelly's up there. Is that enough? Is that enough? Like, no, keep hitting till I tell you otherwise. So, for the comedic value, you need to come to this game. Trust me. Pray for the words MCL and ACL. Say, God, just take care of John. That's, that's all the word. All right. First Kings 17. Are you there? Let me get some water after all that. And Elisha, Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto King Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Because God had told Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab and tell him this. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, now, Elijah, get thee hence and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And you shall drink of the brook and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Just mark that down. He did according to the word of the Lord. He didn't agree with it. He did it. And he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise. Go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, the woman was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called and said, And bring me, I pray, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise, and I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in, dress it for me and my son, so that we might eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do just what you said, but make me therefore first a cake first and bring it to me, and after make for you and your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did, there it is again, according to the saying of Elijah, and she, he, Elijah, and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning on the word there, there. God said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. When the brook dried up, God said, Elijah, go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow to sustain you there. There is not a mystical place, but it is a supernatural place. There you can put equals the perfect will of God for your life. Not the, sub, the permissive will of God. Not bits and pieces. But when you live in the will of God. And someone would say, well, Brother John, that's what frustrates me. How, how, do, how do you know? How, how do you know the will of God? I'm searching. You don't search for the will of God. It finds you. 
There is no biblical precedent where we are called to go find out what the will of the Lord is. It comes to us. We know it's him because his sheep know his voice and another one's voice they will not follow. And when you act upon God's revealed will for your life, which is usually contrary to what you had desired or planned or thought would happen. There's miraculous events. There are, uh, and I'll get to this moment, uh, incredible manifestations of the uncommon, the unthinkable. There, the will of God is the safest place you can be. It's the perfect place, whether it is seasonal or in the moment. Knowing that you are abiding in the will of God is the safest, most fruitful, rewarding place. And one of the, if you were to ask me, Brother John, what are some of the top things <clears throat> you've learned as a Christian? And this is one of the top three. That if I want to know the Lord's will, he wants me to know it more than I want to know it, so there's no problem. And if I'm dull, slow to hearing, and somebody says, that's me, I, I just don't, he'll put it right here. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left, there. The will of God, the perfect will of God is a real place. It's a divine place. It's a supernatural place. It's a provisional place. It is a discernible place, but only to those who want it. It should be our first choice, not last chance. We shouldn't have to be talked into there when God reveals his will to you through his word. Things like pray for your enemies. Yes, Lord, that's your will. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus that you be thankful. Well, I, didn't, I don't feel thankful. I didn't ask you what you felt. I'm telling you what my will is for your life. To let the Lord lead. To be kind and gracious and merciful. To do good to all men, especially those in the household of faith. It's a discernible place. It's easy. It unfolds. Every time you respond to the will of God, it gets more clear. It gets more consistent to you. It's, it becomes second nature. And you'll even perceive the next stages sometimes because God's not limited to that. But you get a feel for how God does. The Bible said that Moses knew the Lord's ways. And those of us that walk closely with him will discern that there, will discern it. And then from the experiences of there, we don't want to be anywhere else. It's a miraculous place. It's a place of illumination, revelation, transformation, and validation. It can be an isolating place because not everyone, not even the majority, want to live there. Here's the difference between those that are surrendered to the will of God and carnal Christians. And by carnal, I mean natural. Natural means. The person submitted to the divine will of God not only gives God the last say, they give God every say. And this person picks and chooses. And maybe most of the things God requires, they're open to. But it's not an absolute surrender. And it can be an isolating place because very few people go there. And it's hard to bring someone along with you in your journey if they're not even willing to go along with God in their journey. You ever tried to explain something spiritual to someone carnal? And I'm not making light because we were carnal at one time. Do you remember when you're trying to explain how you, the Lord's led you and they kind of give you that Olin Mills look and they tilt their head and they go, okay. And you get in the car and go, why did, I, why, did I, why did I even try? And it's not for them. It's for you. You can be isolated. You can be misunderstood or may just travel alone. But this place there is powerful. It is peaceful. Not by what we see around us, but by what we feel inside of us. It is not my external circumstances that give me peace. It's the knowing. Listen to me. It is the knowing that I am in his hand, I am in his will, and I am his responsibility. His. God commands me to work hard for my family. But I don't worry about provision because I am not my family's source. The Lord that leads me will take care of my wife and my babies. There's a confidence there. He wants us to know 
that we're in his will. It's an unmis- and it's full of peace. So all of hell can be storming around you, but you tell yourself, I'm in your will. And if I'm in your will, this must pass. And it's up to Y'all are quiet this morning. Someone told me that day, that, that means it's good. And I said, well, I preach good a lot because y'all are quiet. Like, That's all right. We're thinking. We're thinking. It's an unmistakable place, but it's an ever-changing place. The scenery changes, but not the destination. You can't be in God's will and have a permanent address. That, that's everything. See, God's always changing us from glory to glory. So he's going to move some people in, move some people out. Move you, move them. Uh, change where you work. Change who your inner circle is. All of that because you're the project. In the end, God's not concerned about the works of man in this world. Because he's going to burn everything that you see up with a fervent fire. The only thing left is you. So he uses events, places, people. When you surrender to his divine plan, he uses that to shape you and to make you, to transform you into the reflection, the image of his son. For me, there is the portal where the distance between heaven and earth is the shortest. When you're in the will of God, it feels like you're breathing air from heaven feels otherworldly. There's a peace that passes all understanding. God leads by peace. God will never violate his word. And as you follow him, you'll, you'll feel. Uh, do you remember in Field of Dreams, the movie, when the gentleman stuck his hand through the cornfield and it vanished? And he goes, oh, do you remember? It's like, you're just that close from crossing over. In the will of God, angels, minister, God's spirit comes. Sometimes it feels like you're going to pop through on the other side because we're that close to him. I know that was a long introduction, but I don't have a long sermon. So I want to pray for us. Uh, And would you pray for me this morning that I would deliver just what the Lord wants me to say, nothing more and nothing less, that we would uh, be led in our individual lives into his will and stay there. God. I just humble myself before you and I want to thank you for the opportunity to know your will, to know you. And I don't have any trust in myself or my ability or even in my faith, but I trust you to reveal your perfect will to me. Give me the courage and the character to walk in it as a man, as a husband, as a daddy, as a believer, as a pastor, and as a friend. We just want to be there, oh Lord. May heaven know where our address is. There. Where do you live? There. Where do you want to live? There. Make it so for us, O God. Cause it to happen in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What does this passage teach us? Now, this is not an all-inclusive list, but I just pulled some out that are... uh, Important and precious to me as a Christ follower. Number one, obedience today is the secret to blessings tomorrow. Blessings can, and I'm not talking about riches. I'm talking about provision, protection, where God imparts his favor, his design, his will on certain seasons of your life. The obedience today It's what prepares the blessings for tomorrow because when his will is revealed, we must walk through the gate of obedience to get to the next place. You can't disobey and enjoy God's best. Now, we all fail, but we can repent, which means I confess my sins and I turn from it and change. Change direction, change motive, change attitude. So you don't forfeit the will of God when you've, oh, now it's done, you're gone. No, but it... it, it, For us as believers, we need to understand that my tomorrow is contingent upon today. The only time God uses sarcasm that I can find in the Bible is this. He said, I'm not mocked. I will not be mocked. You won't make a fool of me. Whatever a man puts in the ground, it comes back up to him. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. Now, televangelists didn't make this up. 
They use it and say, you know, so me at the next 102 people will give $102. Just turn that off. It's horrible. Why is it that the law of sowing and reaping, well, why has it got to be in their garden? It's not an issue of just sowing to this guy. It's a life stewardship. Whatever I sow into the will of God, whatever I sow in this world, whether it's kindness, resources, ministry, whatever I do, that procures the blessings for the next place. You reap it. You put corn in the ground, see first the natural, then the spiritual. If you put corn in the ground, don't look for potatoes. Corn. It happens every time. And I know that sounds silly to you, but it happens every time. And not only does it happen every time, more comes up than you put in. One kernel doesn't come up out of the ground. I prayed for an oak tree and God gave me an acorn. Everything that oak tree will be is in what's in your hand. Your life is a storehouse of seeds when you, that you scatter every time God invites you to go. Every time God invites you to give. Every time God invites you to love. Every time God invites you to forgive. Come left. Yes, Lord. Come right. Yes, Lord. And you are planting your tomorrow. That's an encouraging thing. So I want to be there. That's all I want. Nothing more, nothing less. We have to obey even if what God is asking doesn't make much sense. Just notice this. So Elijah, who was unknown... God calls him out to go stand before King Ahab and pronounce this curse. Because of your evil ways, God is going to withhold rain. So here's boldness, and the very next thing he hears from the Lord, go hide yourself. What? You just raised me up to prominence, visibility, notoriety, recognition. I'm bold. I'm bad. Hide. What you need to see in the scripture is, I don't think he saw that coming. See, we try to draw straight lines because the shortest distance between two points is, okay. But God's not trying to get from A to B. God's trying to get who he is into you. Who he is into you. And Jesus learned obedience. And you know if Jesus learned obedience, we need night classes. You know that. Even if what God is asking of you comes with few details and little explanation. Go hide yourself at the brook Cherith. What's the first thing we'd say? Why? And heaven is quiet. Even if what God is asking of you, he's not asking of anybody else. Ain't nobody else got to go to the brook. Y'all think like that? Am I the only one? God, you require this of me. Why didn't you send them to hide yourself at the brook? I have learned. Now, this is not law. This is my experience. I'm careful to tell you what's doctrine and what's my experience. But my experience is when the Lord asks something from me that he's not asking from other people, he wants to give something to me that's not available to other people. That's my experience. When he asks for something that empties me, it's because he has something right behind curtain number one that's going to fill me to overflowing. When God asks something of you, that uh, don't ask why aren't they, why is it this being required of him? The answer may be that God doesn't have the blessing scheduled for them that he has for you because you know his voice. That was good. Thank you, thank you. Even if what God is asking you is unforeseen or disappointing or inconvenient. I think if he's starting his ministry and he stands in front of the king, he wasn't planning on hiding for a couple of years. So you need to know God's voice for yourself. Listen, don't, don't try to find God's voice uh, primarily through Pastor John or any other preacher. Now, when I preach, and if, this, if it's the word of God and there's anointing on my words, it'll stir you and move you. But don't lose sight of the fact it don't have anything to do with me. It's God's word. It's God's word. Okay? You're led by it. And you can't check with everybody else because they may not have heard what you heard. They may not know what you know. And you know his voice. 
And I'm hoping to stir this morning where your most common prayer, we instill that now. It's, Lord, I just want to be in your will. I just want to be in your love. Every moment, every day, every week, seasonally and hourly. Let me know it. Number two, God's provision is always in place before his plan is revealed. God's provision is already in place before his plan is revealed. God's command was given to the ravens before his commission was given to the prophet. He said, go hide yourself by the brook Cherith. I've already commanded the birds to feed you. So who did he talk to first? The birds. Now you may think I'm pulling semantics on you. This has been the most freeing thing to me. And I had to learn it at a brook. This wasn't in my notes, but I believe the Lord wants me to share this with you. Um, Before I was saved and before the discipline of the Holy Spirit was in my life, I was a a fandangler. I believe I still am a good businessman. I believe God's given me small abilities in that way. But I was more like a Jacob, a trickster. And when he called me to go in the evangelistic field, clear as a bell, he said, now you are not allowed to promote yourself at all. No flyers, no brochures. Now before there was internet... There were flyers and business cards. And the evangelist would come to a church. He carried them on him, five by eight glossies. This is what I do. Here's my endorsements. Here's my card. The Lord said, you can't do any of that. You may make business cards and only give it to people that ask you. Well, the evangelistic field, when I stepped out to go preach revival services, didn't really pick up real fast. I preached once in six months. And someone would say, how's it going? I said, it ain't going. I'm in his will. I'm hiding. (laughs) It's a little brook that comes by here. I got enough. But it ain't what I thought it would be. It's not. And the Lord was already rooting out of me. The having to figure everything out instead of trusting the source. I was in my room and I was crying, kind of complaining. I said, Got nobody, no one's asking me to preach. I'm not, Father, how do I know that I'm in your will? How do I know? And the phone rings, not cell phone, real phone. And I pulled that antenna up, answered the phone, Brother Woods, you don't know me, but I'm so and so from Millry, Alabama. And I was praying with my calendar open, and it's like all the air went out of me. And I said, I can tell you what dates you want. What? He's kind of country. What? I said, you were calling me about this month, and it'll be one of these weeks. He was, yes, it was. I said, I'm coming. And I hung up the phone, and I wept, and I repented. And it started to dawn on me. He said, I've already talked to the ravens, John. If you'll just stop. Everything you need. Everything you need. I've already made the call to them before I invited you to come take part. That changed all the rules. And now I'm not boasting. I'm offering you one of the changes that's happened in me. You've had some changes happen, haven't you? Good? Okay. That's why your pastor don't browbeat you about money. And he doesn't talk about money every week. And You know why? Because everything we need is already slated. Why I got to work you? Manipulate you? Manipulation. Why do I have to abuse you, misuse you, misabuse, misuse for the intended purpose? Yes, we give, but you're not the source, and I'm not the source. So when we follow the Lord, we just know that, God, your finger does not point where your hand of God is not, where your hand is not connected to provide. When you see a finger, there's a hand. It's already in place. It's already in place. Did you know for your life it's already in place? He knew what he was going to do before he ever talked to you about this place that you're in. Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? I don't know. Just, we got a sandwich over here. and a couple. Of, I don't know how we're going to do this. But Jesus already knew what he was going to do. See, he was asking him to get him to participate in the miracle. So here was God's will. Tell him to sit down in groups of 50. That's all he asked. Wow, why do you want to sit? No, just. And when he sat him down, that took a long time. 5,000 people, not counting women and children. 
One, two, three, four. Hey, y'all stop talking. Get over here. I can't tell if it's six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes, they can come with you. Come 11, 12, you do the 50. One. And you do that 100 times? Is that right? How many? Yeah, 100 times? That's a long time. And many of us stop in the process because we feel like what God has asked us to do is a waste of time not getting to the results that we need. And what you need to know is he already knew what he was going to do. This was for the disciples' education. Do what the Lord asks you to do. God isn't putting this together as he goes along. God's command was given to the raven long before he spoke to the prophet. These provisions testify to God's sovereignty, God's control, God's power, and God's faithfulness. Don't lose sight of the fact that he called ravens to bring him food. Y'all know what a raven is? It's the first cousin to a buzzard. It is. Unclean according to Old Testament law. Where we get our word ravenous. A raven. So if there's a dead animal, they don't pick little pieces off and, you know, like cucumber on a stick. They're like that man that's been fasting four days and he goes to an all-you-can-eat rib buffet. And he don't wipe his mouth from the barbecue except one time at the end. It's just everywhere. Ravenous. Why would God choose a raven to show his control? Now, hey, every day, twice a day, I don't know if he spoke it or just thought it into them. I want you to take meat, fresh meat, unchewed meat. Do you hear me, Clarence? Unchewed. (laughs) Yeah, you the one. You know how you are. Take it to him morning and evening on schedule. Where's it gonna, where are we going to find it? You'll find it. And these raven, ra- ravens, contrary to their nature, brought meat to that man every morning and every evening. What is God trying to say? He said, I'm not limited to your laws or understanding. See, I don't have to know. Surprise me, Lord. I have seen ravens fly into my house. And I go, the Lord is mighty. I've seen unspeakable, unthinkable, like beyond what you can ask or think of you. God, and it, it doesn't, he doesn't do that so you can fill your silos with meat. He does that so you'll bow your knees and go, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I trust him. No limits. These provisions were not available at any brook but the brook Cherith. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but don't satisfy yourself because you went to a brook. You ask the Lord, is this the place you want me to work? Is this the person you want me to date? Is this the per? Well, it kind of looks like the person I'm supposed to date. Is this the person you want me to marry? Well, they're, 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 they're believers, but we know. God doesn't call us to a brook. He calls us to the brook. And he leads each of us different ways, in different speeds, for different, uh, in, in, with different dynamics. And it's okay to ask God over and over, am I in your will? Am I in your will? Because we don't doubt him, we doubt us. And you say, Lord, if I'm making a mistake, close this door. I know my wife won't mind you, me sharing this with you, but because of my past and my history and everything. The day before we were married, we held hands before the Lord and wept like children and said, even now, O Lord, if we are out of your will, we will call the whole thing off because all we want to do is be in the center of your will because those that are in the center of your will live under the shadow of the Almighty God and they will say of the Lord, how faithful, how good, how kind, how consistent. Let your favor, Lord, let your countenance shine upon us and we would have called it off because we've lived with him long enough to know that loneliness is not the biggest problem. Regret is. Regret will kill you. You may not believe me, but for every single person that I know that is believing God for a companion, a godly companion, 
Every lonely person like that, I can show you 50 that married out of the will of God. That's the truth. They're making it work. They're making, don't look at nobody. Please, I'll get in trouble. Don't elbow nobody. Somebody said, Jesus, that's what I'm saying. No, don't. Don't. What I'm telling you is take your time. Don't you make a snap decision. He that believeth does not make haste. Well, this is a once-in-a-lifetime offer. Only the first 30 callers. Let them 30 call. Don't move. Is this you, Lord? Is this you, Lord? Is this you, Lord? Lord, am I hearing you right? Lord, is this you? God, is this you? Is this you? Make sure for yourself. And if you lack wisdom and ask of God, he said, he'll give it to you liberally. You'll know. So I'm asking you, don't answer. Are you there? Do you live there? If not, why? And for the seasons that I didn't live there, I can ask you as a fellow guilty person, how's it working for you? We were designed to be in God, near God, and guided by God. Oh, I'm not going to get done. I'm not going to get done. Number three, what does this passage teach us about the will of God? That every blessing is temporary and every season gives way to another. Well, if ravens are feeding me every day and I'm at this cool brook, I'm doing the this is the will of God dance. Have you ever done it? Blessings, oh, blessing. Turn on your faucet, Kool-Aid come out. You go, hey. You call the dog, he comes to you. You call the cat, he comes to you. You go, hey. Everything you touch turns to go. Have you ever been there and you just go, some of y'all are pessimistic and go, it ain't going to last. <laughs> well, you're right, but you're not enjoying it while it's there. One of your favorite verses ought to be, and it came to pass. That which came to you, came to pass. Prove it to you. Y'all know how good looking you were in college? Do you remember? It came to pass. <laughs> when you swap fashion for Sanzibelt, it came to pass. Right? Your youth turning into middle and old age shows you that nothing is permanent but God's will. So when his brook dried up, what do we, not you, what do we do? Did I miss it? I could have, we just pace. Oh, ravens, I just knew that was the will of God. And so what's the problem, John? Well, the ravens, they're still coming, but there's no water in you. I'm choking on this meat. I don't know what's going on. I just thought it was you. And what makes you think it's not me? There's no brook. John, my will hasn't ended. This chapter's ended. You see? The brook drying up doesn't mean that we've missed God, and it doesn't mean that God is not in control. It means that he has something to put in us and show us that he didn't show us at the brook. I can prove it to you. Even in your rebellion. Do you know some of your rebellion, God was working his will in your rebellion? Did you know that? Prove it to you. Jonah fled the Lord. Didn't do what he said. And he uh, went down into the belly of the fish. You remember? The great fish swallowed him up for how many days? Three. So Jesus, when he comes along several thousand years later, he said, and as Jonah was in the belly of the earth, three days, so must the Son of Man be in the earth three days. He had connected his rebellion to the divine plan of Jesus being in the earth three days. God works all things into his will. Even our sinfulness and even our rebellion works into his will. Because our steps are... Not that rebellion was his will, but he utilizes it. He causes things to happen that lets us know that that season's over. Many Christians stumble when the brook dries up or when the ravens no longer come. Maybe I missed God. Maybe God's forgotten me. Maybe I'm disqualified. Maybe God's turned his, backs, his back. 
Dried books are... Brooks are not a sign of God's displeasure, but more often a contraction to prepare you for what is to come. But notice this. This is paramount. Even when the brook dried up, Elisha did not leave until the word of the Lord came. Well, I got to do something. Here's what I hear men say all the time. I got to provide. Do you? Well, yes, I do. Wait, hear me out. Do you? More important than being in God's will, you have to provide. How about this? Not all provision leads to God's will, but God's will always leads to provision. Brook dried up. So what are you going to do? I ain't doing nothing until I hear from the Lord. I'll give you one example here. Um, years ago, my dear friend Andy King had uh, been on staff with me a, a couple of years. And we were at the Evangel Building... And we were leasing from, at that time, Victory Christian Center. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Don't, don't, don't put this in bad light. I'm just telling you a story. It's a long time ago. So don't, don't worry. It wasn't a real good experience for us as the leasee. Say it that way. And uh, it, our lease come up, and the rent was going to be raised. I think it was like 50% or something. And I, I prayed about it, and I felt no peace about signing the lease. So the brook is drying up in front of my eyes. We have 500 people. Now, you can move a church of 50 people. You can go to the Holiday Inn. You can go to the gym. 500 people. You just can't move them. And the only time Andy and I had uh, any conflict in all the years we worked together, and Andy's a man of great faith. Please hear me there. When we moved into Sportstown, Andy had more faith than I did. I was the one like, sure, let's just buy the mall. Buy Sportstown, buy the mall. I didn't, didn't have a lot of faith. And he said, John, we have to sign the lease. And I said, no, we don't. And he said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. And he said, well, that's not good enough. I said, I don't know. And I am not going to sign a lease so that I can look like I know where we're going when God hadn't spoke yet. And had we signed that lease, when the Lord merged us with Second Baptist, we would have owed $36,000 times three, what, $108,000 in lease payments on a building we weren't going to be in. What I'm telling you is, for your individual life, don't tremble when the brook dries up. Get ready. Just start looking. Because if the brook dries up, then he must have something else for me, something else for us, our family, something along that line. Watchman Nee said this, because of our proneness to look at the bucket and forget the fountain, God has to frequently change his means of supply to keep our eyes fixed on the source. From ravens feeding him to widows, ravens to widows, neither one of them able, neither one of them capable, God is layering, layering the message to Elijah of his absolute control, care, and power. He was saying to Elijah, so Elijah's life would say to us, I cannot be hindered, limited, withstood, or prevented. I use who I want, when I want, how I want. I'm the Lord. And when you learn that for yourself, it doesn't make you arrogant. It makes you quiet. You're at peace. I, I, can't tell you how many times I've stood in front of this church in 22 years and someone asked a question, I don't know. That instills a lot of confidence. <laughs> what, what are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you're the pastor. Well, I don't know. I'm the pastor that don't know. Because you don't know till you know, and when you know, you're good. I want you to, to realize that God has plans for you but he's put the pen in your hand to see if you will go ahead of him and write in what he hasn't told you or wait and then write the wonderful things God has done. That is good. Confirmations of God's will await us at the gate of every new chapter. Confirmations await us. Go, Elijah, go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow woman to feed you, to sustain you there. So, if, okay, one of the ways to study the Bible that's very illuminating is put yourself in that place and ask yourself, what would you think and what would you feel? I do it all the time. So I'm Elijah. 
I've had this miraculous feeding of ravens for all this time. Okay, a widow. She doesn't have supply. See, the ravens didn't have control, and she doesn't have supply. But he goes to Zarephath, and he walks up, and at the gate of the city is the widow. Have you ever had those moments where God points, and you step out there, and you go, well, there's the Lord. One widow, one confirmation, one, when you see that, whatever doubts in your heart, you're good. Because just like the Lord promised, he would be here. He told the disciples, go into the city and you'll find a colt tied. Loose him. And when the man asks you what you're doing, say the Lord hath need of him. Time out. What? Just do that. So what's it about? It's not about the horse. It's what happened to the people that brought the horse back. They say, if God tells you left, it's left. If God tells you right, it's right. If God leads you forward, if God leads you backward. If he tells you there's going to be a widow, the first thing you're going to see is the widow. It won't be easy, but you'll know. You'll know. You'll know. She wouldn't be at the gate if the provision wasn't already in the house. Number five, God's word will find you. So we're shifting... These two stories parallel. Now, Elijah is a type of the believer, but he's also a type of the Word of God. So he was an individual who's walking with God, but prophets then were what the Bible is to us today. So the first one is what God is saying to Elijah, and the second story is what God is saying through Elijah. Did you follow me? The first one, he's talking to him as an individual, and the second is he's telling us what the widow was learning, okay? And here's what I tell you for those of you that are at the place where the widow is. And life is not only hard, it's destitute. You do not have the wherewithal to continue. God's word will find you. God sent Elijah not for his sustaining, because he could be sustained at the brook. It was for someone else. The first level of obedience is always for you. The next level is so that God will not only do for you, but other people. Once you learn, you want to share the wisdom, the knowledge, the experiences. You want to tell your stories over and over so people will know that God's no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he's done for another. And you believe this widow. Listen, see, when the lights are off and you're just so destitute, it seems like God's not going to talk. But he does. His word comes to those who value it, to those who will believe it. To those who wait on it. God's word comes in times of drought and famine. To the helpless and the hopeless. In your greatest disappointments. In times of isolation and loneliness. It comes to the faithful and the faithless. And especially, especially to those who've lost all hope. God's word will find you. No matter how insignificant you may feel or how unnoticed you are by others. When you're down to the last of what you have left. When all hope is gone and death is only a breath away. In the same way that water finds the lowest point, God's word comes to those who need it most. Here's this woman when Elijah greeted her and he said, Would you get me something to drink and something to eat? She said, As the Lord liveth, or as thy Lord, as thy God liveth, I'm making, I'm gathering these sticks. I'm gonna make one piece of cornbread, if you will, one piece of flat bread. And my son and I are going to die. Now, don't read that and look over it. How many mamas I have here? Single mamas. Where your baby's all you have left. And you're at the place. If this is the last meal before you die, you've been hungry a long time. And God says, I want it. Give me that. Kelly, what if it's Isabel? What if it's Olivia? It's the last meal. Give it to me. And then the Lord doesn't give the requirement without giving them the promise. He said, and I'm going to command blessing on this house. Will you trust me with it? Will you follow me into the thing a mother fears the most? Preferring someone to their baby. And she fed that healthy man 
who had been eating twice a day meat and bread with her emaciated baby sitting beside her. And when he wiped his mouth, he said, because you've done this, your oil barrel will never fail. The flour will never fail. God has decreed that this place is there. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you there. And she can't sustain you without the supply. One test. Will you trust me with the bottom of the barrel? Yes. Oh, and because you've done this, I am blessing this house. And it didn't say her barrel was full. It said it never ran out. I think just like when Jesus, you remember they broke the fish and the bread and fed everybody? It broke. You hand it to them and it's whole again. Or you just keep breaking off and it never goes away. I believe every time they went in the barrel and got the last bit of flour, it was still there. I, how many is in this room that God's done something similar and you try to tell people, I don't know how the Lord's done this. I don't know how he sustained How did we make it? But we made it. We made it not because of our character, not because of our will. It's because the Lord's promises never fail. You just got to be there. You want to live there. Number six, Ben, if you'd come, please. There's no room for fear in the life of the believer. Never, for any reason, at any time, under any circumstance. I was talking to a dear friend this week, and we were talking about not being afraid of the things to come. Please hear me. Knowing trouble is coming is not the same as fear. We're not afraid of anything, any situation, because God is with us. God is for us. We can see trouble coming and prepare, but we're not looking to ourselves to sustain us. There is no, if you are afraid, that is a symptom of unbelief. That's all it is. It's a sin. Well, Brother John, what, what are you supposed to do? It's our children. I didn't say you couldn't be concerned. No fear. You can be troubled. You can be troubled and still have faith. Here's the way I say it. I don't know how the Lord's going to do this. But God, I was once young and now I'm older. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. I trust you inexplicably. If I tremble, I trust you trembling. If I don't know, I trust you not knowing. Because you, O oh Lord, are all I got. And all my eggs are in your basket. Some of y'all don't understand all in. You never played cards. I, I paid to take care of tuition and room and board. <laughs> but when somebody's playing and then you go, somebody, it's called a value bet. Yeah, they'll, they'll uh, okay, I, I'll bet 2,000 and they have 200,000 there or 20,000, you know. And you go, all in. Immediately, they are brought to the question, does he have it? Or is he bluffing? All in is a scary thing. Because if you guess wrong, if you guess wrong, you lose it all. I think the devil is so afraid of a Christian that's all in. I think it terrifies him. And I, those of you that are card players, don't laugh or smile because they'll know you played. And I don't play for money anymore. Uh, if I need a little bit, I might have to. But I could play. When you are playing and you know by doing the math that you have the best hand based on what's on the board, you know you have the best hand. The best they can have, the best anyone can have is three of a kind. And you hold four of a kind. You, you, you just know, or you have a straight flush. Or, you just know. See, for us, when I'm there, it can stop raining. It can... The grass can dry up. He can put me in a widow's home that only has one handful of flour and I will thrive because there is miraculous. And when you know you are there, you go, all in. Devil goes, what, what, do you, what do you mean all in? All in, let's do it. You tell me what could happen. You tell me what might happen so you can play on my fear. You show me who's lost before, but my answer is all in. Let's do it. Let's roll. You don't believe me? Try me. And he's thinking, they must have pocket aces. The blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony.
and I can't die there. I can't lose there. I cannot come undone there. I cannot fail there. I cannot be hindered there. I cannot be moved there. Not because I am strong, but because there is a refuge. There has foundations. My soul trusteth in the Lord. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, all other systems, all other people sink in sand. So what do you say, John? All in. And then you don't say nothing. You don't change expression. You just freeze. And they're trying to read you for a signal. And if it's a friendly game, you just start smiling. You go, don't call me. You're going to lose. And some of you, the devil has tricked you. And he's bluffed your whole life. You'll never know where there is. You'll never find it. You're out of it. You've lost it. No hope. You forfeited it. God won't reveal it. And everyone that asks God where there is, he leads them to it. There is real. And once you live there, you don't want to live nowhere else. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Please, nobody talking, nobody moving around, just... What would you say to the Lord if he was sitting right beside you right now? How would you respond? Lord, that answers my question. Lord, help my unbelief. I want to be there. I want to live there. I want my children to live there. I want to love there. I don't want to be drugged there. I want to walk there. I want to be seen there. I want to be seen there. For every person that's praying in their heart this morning, I prophesy to you based on Scripture, not my moving heart, but Scripture, that those that desire to know the will of God always do. God will show you in small ways and in big ways. Get ready. If the brook's drying up on you, there's something else God wants to show you. And God is faithful. Would you stand with us this morning?